Thank you for tuning in on Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're the Comic Hope Rehack. Hope Rehack, how the hell are you? Oh, hey, I'm I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes, and right now you are in the sunny the sun what the sunny confines of LA. I guess if it was in Chicago, it'd be the what, what, what were the friendly confines is Wrigley Field. But you are in the sunny confines of Los Angeles. How hot is it? Oh man, you know what? Every day my parents ask me, and every day I never check. But I think <laughs> it's about sixty degrees and sunny. And I was just in Chicago for the holidays. Yes, eight degrees. I, yeah, and I'm a person, and it was seven degrees the whole time I was there, and it yep. warmed up. Yes, as soon as I left. <laughs> I'm a person who really likes the seasons. Like I actually love having four seasons, so I, I was happy to be there. But eight degrees, it was just like, and I, I flew back there, flew back to Chicago for a couple of weeks during yeah, the holidays and I got pink eye in the way. And so I was, oh. you know, confined to my hotel for about a week and it was like seven degrees and I was like, dude, and then yeah, like you said, it got better. And then I came back to New York and it was about 50 degrees. And so but you're in 60. I love it. That means that you didn't, um, you're not spending time in LA because of the weather, I guess. No, no. I think it's weird. I think LA has like this strange timeless quality where people here have no sense of, of time passing because it's kind of, you know, 73 and sunny most of the year. It's and so it, creepy. And as yeah, Chicago and you're like, that's creepy and that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I need, I need the turning of the seasons to remind myself of like the passage of time. Yes. And so we follow her everywhere. She's Hope Rehack on Instagram and Twitter, right? Yep. That's me. Uh, okay. Arcade. And now, and so you are, I mean, now you're not just in comedy, you've taught, I mean, you're writing pilots and stuff, but you've also taught it, I think, like, can people take your catapult class yet or no? Oh my gosh, um, I think that they are announcing signups later this spring, so it'll be, I think it'll happen in March, um, and I will promote it widely, I'm sure, but it's Good. being, we're setting up right now, and I'm really happy because I actually, I did teach at Northwestern the last five years, and that was obviously not open to anyone who yes. wasn't <laughs> that, that's so fucking stupid yeah I had, I had joe james on earlier today i think and oh, he yeah. teaches yeah he teaches at second city and columbia i guess they have a comedy major there and i i asked joe i was like yeah man so you're gonna do any like private lessons and he's like no i'm gonna do it through he's like i basically i'm sorry man i basically do it through columbia and um second city i'm like how the hell can people like learn from you learn from your greatness right Totally. I can't believe you had Joe on. I, he was my teacher um, at Second City, actually, uh, the sketch writing program like 10 years ago. And um, I, don't, I don't know if he would know me, but I know him. And oh, I, I should. I should have been like, do you know Hope Rehack? You know, like so I was mentioning before we got on, I was mentioning some New York based, you know, improv and sketch teachers. And he knew one of them through Second City. But yeah, I should have been like, Hope Rehack, right? You know, she's a teacher now. And he's like, yeah, man, I taught her, bro. That's how he talks. That's how he talks, right? Yeah, that, that's pretty close. I mean, yeah, he was, he was, I mean, he was a fun, he was a great sketch teacher. He was completely, thoroughly unimpressed with my cohort of people is what I uh, And I, I even asked him kind of who would go on to be great and um, Hope Rehack not mentioned. No, no, I, no, just kidding. He did not no, name names at all, but we were just talking about, I think he, he said something like, you know, I was asking him if he can predict greatness in a student he's like well first of all you whiff every time but he's like it's mostly people who show up and do the work because you know that they're gonna you know kind of show up and try a bunch of things and take risks and things like that so maybe he was talking about you oh that's sweet yeah maybe i hope so. it was like a full 10 years ago that i was in his class so yeah yeah so i mean what <laughs> hope rehack 10 years ago versus hope rehack now student mm -hmm. uh becomes teacher so kind of what has um grown in you such that you're you've been teaching for the last five years at northwestern 
Well, so it was like definitely a nighttime adjunct position. It was not my day job. I've always had, you know, nine to fives that are soul crushing. My um, Lord, that's a lot of work. It is, but um, but the teaching never feels like work to me, which is oh. not to say it shouldn't be fairly compensated. Obviously. <laughs> um, I just want to be clear here. We should still be, be paid, clear. even though we're enjoying yeah. our job. Right. It's like nursing and teaching when people are like, oh, you do it for the people. And it's like, and the money. But no, <laughs> um, but no I do love teaching. My, I come from a lot of teachers. I come from maybe at least three generations of teachers. And so it was, it was one of those startlingly easy family businesses where I kind of avoided it for my, a lot of my twenties. And then in my late twenties after grad school, had the opportunity to take over some classes from one of my grad school professors who liked me. And and that was just so lucky because you don't usually get those jobs very easily. They're not, it's not easy even to adjunct at a, at a good school. Yeah. So how were you equipped at that time? So, I mean, you go from student 10 years ago to yeah. being recruited five years ago to stepping <laughs> into somebody else's class or whatever, like what happened in those five years that got you ready? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, that's fair. Okay. So just to clarify, I was a second city student, like right after undergrad. So I was probably 23 at that time, but five okay. years ago. You're only like 25 though, so. Yeah, exactly. But I had just finished grad school and my favorite professor was leaving okay. and I had won an award in her class. She, she distributed a, 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 at the time it was $7,000 to make your um, sitcom pilot for, wow. for through the school. And she was the arbiter of that. And I had just won it and it was a big deal, you know, at the time, not, not really knowing that $7,000 could not make anything that I would release on the internet. Okay? Uh, well, like $7,000 a day is like $7 million, right? Yeah, you put, you put a lot on an iPhone. We were still using like C, C200s. I don't know what we were using. We were still using like film cage equipment at the school. I think now okay. it's very popular to just use your smartphones. <laughs> I okay. sound ancient. Um, but yeah, so it was, um, it was, a, it was, I was riding high and she was like, <laughs> for me. And I was like, yeah, I can teach anything. I'm a goddess of comedy. I know everything. So I think probably sheer confidence and hubris. Um, oh, that's wonderful. I mean, oh, so I mean, like, do, do you think, I mean, you still thought you imparted some wisdom, like even looking back, you, you, oh. you think, you know, your students benefited from your tutelage, from your, I have a tutelage, but from your teaching, correct? Absolutely. I really do. I mean, like, I think that there is a, um, hmm, there's a preference in, in writing programs and comedy programs and any arts program for um, professors who have a lot of really impressive credits, which I very much don't. But I think yeah. that I do think teaching is its own skill. And I do think that I was able and am able to um, break down all the things like teachers like Joe Janes. I've had a lot of wonderful comedy teachers and I certainly can like synthesize and reteach that information and also just teach it in a way that is, um, say that students benefit from because every student's different and every student's gonna learn completely differently. And so- So you can also kind of prepare for the lesson too. Like, you know that you can't just come in and coast on your TV credits. It's like, I actually had to prepare something. And like, right. and like tailoring something to your students, would you kind of observe how these people learn and, and tailor your one-on-one accordingly or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nice at a school, at a, at a fancy private liberal arts school, uh, you can 12 students in a class. And one year I asked to increase it to 15 and the students were angry that it wasn't as much dedicated one-on-one time, but <laughs> I grew up in you know, CPS and it was like 35 kids in a class. So I always think 12 kids to one teacher, that's unreal amounts of attention. I can give them all completely tailored semesters as far as as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, so, in, law, in law school, we had like 50, 60 students all the time. You know, they were huge. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And I also, I worked at Northwestern's law school for a million years to pay my bills. So Doing what? I know that we're, I know that world too. I, uh, for eight years, I worked my way up from being a temp to working in the um, Center on Wrongful Convictions of Youth. 
as a legal uh, You didn't do the Dassey thing, did you? Um, I worked for the attorneys who did, yeah. Did you see Laura Nyrider, whatever the Laura, fuck her name is? Yeah, Laura Nyrider. And um, yeah, and Steve Jordan, they were actually my bosses during that time. They are Were really, they nice? They are lovely and great people. They I seem like they, they seem like they would be. I mean, it's funny because they might actually listen to this because they have been incredibly supportive for years of my comedy career. I, I think, think you, know you guys, I think you guys are adorable, Laura and what, Steven. Yeah, I think you guys are adorable. And I, I saw you guys practicing through that moot court thing. And let me tell you, I was moot court champion at Chicago Kent College of Law, big time. And so I've been um, I've been grilled by, you know, in a, they do these moot courts where like you're grilled by all these professors to prepare you for these real appellate arguments. And so that's pretty much what moot court was. And I ranked moot court programs for a while. And so that was great. So I, I looked, I was just watching them, like, you know, have people grill them in their little conference room. And I'm like, oh, that's so adorable. I used to do that, but they're doing it for real. You know, then they're getting up in front of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeal and kicking ass and stuff so that's so cool so it was a, a cool place to work it was um it was a great place to work they were so generous with me and honestly like that is a job where they they let me that was I was attending grad school while I was working for them which oh, um cool. it, wasn't, it wasn't a low residency program so they basically they were just really flexible with me I got to take vacation days to like go to my classes when they interfered with my work and make it up they were just wonderful and I really do think this this connection between lawyers and comedians is so real because yeah. there are so many you know lawyers who are funny and there are so many comedians who went to law school yes <laughs> oh no I mean there's like five I, I've interviewed maybe five or six and it's just alarming like the amount I'm, I'm trying to th think what the similarities similarities are but um you know first I would think you have to be good at people but also like I don't know there's some precision with language or something like yes. have you noticed anything else about it I think you're exactly right. I think it's people who wield language as their primary medium for sure. And I think, um, you know, there's also, I think what I love about it so much is the lawyers I know are always so, like they respect comedy because they understand the, it sounds so cheesy, but they understand yeah. the power of language, right? And same with the comedians where I think a lot of comedians who went to law school often were people who like believe in the power of language and couldn't figure out how to monetize it. Um, it's, you know, it's like the same philosophy that gets you into both places. And I, and I think that there, there are two industries where I have found the mutual respect exists, you know, yeah, where but also some of it's like, you're so powerless though. Like, and yeah. so like, like they know as well as you do that the audience will dictate whether or not you win <laughs> that particular exactly. argument or comedy act. Like they're either going to laugh or they're not laugh or they're not and then of course in, in court you're either going to win or you're not you know based on those you know one to seven or nine judges and so I think you know your bosses learn learn like yeah no matter how much we prep and no matter how much the facts and the law are on our side I mean these these seven people are going to decide our fate and it's just like comedy I mean have you noticed that getting up like how much stand-up did you do before you started teaching stuff because you teach everything right you used to teach improv sketch all that um, I have never taught improv. Actually, my sister's a very good improviser. I'm a terrible improviser, but um, I love improv. I'm like, a, I'm an improv groupie because growing up in Chicago, I used to go see TJ and Dave and stuff when I was a kid. Like I, I, was, <laughs> I had no social life in high school. So I went to IO a lot as a child because they would let you in even if you couldn't drink. And anyway, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, no, no improv, but uh, have taken it, have failed at it. Uh, yes, I teach standup and I've, I've actually taught writing late night comedy and I've also um, I've subbed in for some classes in like writing the TV sitcom pilot and stuff like that, which now, now is, is, yeah, is late night comedy, like teaching late night comedy. You're not teaching them. Are you teaching the monologue or are you teaching interview as well? Kind of 
all of it because I've done a few of those workshops. And, you know, again, it's just the thing of I'll teach you what I've learned and I'll credit the people who have taught me. And I also had really wonderful because I don't work in that industry, had really wonderful guest speakers um, come in who do work in it. I have enough enough friends and casual acquaintances who are um, on those shows that they can explain how things really work. But most of those classes are just breaking down, you know, like the big the big late night book, what's the Joe Toplin book. yeah i've never read it but you're right like there's probably yeah 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 joe toplin right absolutely (laughs) i mean in law school we have that kind of too where you know in law law school you 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 know everybody has the same book but of course the teacher can teach it differently but i love that because if you're a teacher with all these credits you're not going to have a single guest lecture you're going to pretend that you know everything you're going to shoot from the hip you're not going to prep at all but if you're hope rehack and you're going in there and you're like i don't got enough credits yet i actually have to prepare and individualize one-on-one instruction, but then I'm going to bring bring in people who know what the fuck they're doing on this weird thing that I've never never actually done. You know, like you know, one act versus two act improv. I have no you know I have no idea what the fuck this is. But you're the person who says I got to bring in Joe Joe Janes during that particular lecture. Oh, absolutely, and I'm so proud of all my friends who are in the industry, and it's so exciting to kind of see how how they teach their one you know half hour guest lecture versus I get. 10 weeks of three hours with these students and and see how kind of going back, like not everybody is a natural teacher. Some people are just kind of like, I don't know, I did it and you can too. And <laughs> good luck with that. I'm, I'm not going to give really practical examples how to get better, but you know, if, if I did, if, you know, if I could do it, yeah. I'm like, just be inspired by me. I won't teach you jack shit, but. <laughs> but it works for some, you know, some students need that kind of encouragement and inspiration and, and some, and sometimes, you know, the people who are able to do the thing and break down the thing, I think are the rarest. Like, I think I'm a, a much better teacher probably than I am comedian, but I did do it for eight years. I did it, I did it from college until the pandemic. What, um, actually, what, uh, comedy or teaching? Oh, stand-up comedy. I, I was, uh, I was, or I mean, I, that would be really fraudulent to teach it without having done that. I, I do, <laughs> I have done it. And I only gave it up because I was uh, afraid of COVID, but yeah. And so, yeah, so how do you kind of teach the, the heartbreak? <laughs> yeah, because like, I, I think like Laura and Steven are just like, you know, yeah, all right, we can teach you how to kind of prepare and all this stuff, but we can't teach you how to deal with the heartbreak, heartbreak of occasionally losing, you know, before you appeal again. And of course, you, of course you win. Like, how do you teach the heartbreak? It's like, I can give you these tools to write a better joke, to be more comfortable in front of an audience, but I can't teach you what to do um, when it goes bad. It's just kind of like, you know, it's a numbers game. You have to just find that next crowd and tell the joke better or find a different joke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such, it's such a good question because I really do think that um, I, the stakes of law helped me with comedy because the stakes are so crazy. This is the um, this is my street outside that I warned you about. <laughs> yeah, she, she's in LA and Skid Row is outside and it's actually yeah. called Skid Row on a map. So it's okay that we call it that. It feels bad to call it that. It's it's they're trying to rebrand as DTLA, but uh, it, there's silence. Um, <laughs> they're oh, trying God. to rebrand as D- this isn't Skid Row. This is DTLA. Yeah, and also downtown LA sounds so crazy because they mean it to mean like three square blocks, and of course in Chicago it's like you know the whole loop, and in New York oh, yeah. it's a different and it doesn't. I, I would it. totally live there though. I would totally live downtown because it's like I'm not going to get a car. What are you talking about? Just, there I, there has to be things that happen in downtown LA, right? Right, exactly. There are, and I don't have a car. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the stakes of law like help with that though, because I would say to my students, you know, nobody's gonna go to prison if you fail. I mean, really, truly, it it is yeah. good for them. I think the stakes in those situations in law, legal 
skill field are so high and in comedy it's just personal it's mostly really personal it mostly just yeah. feels bad but no one ever died from feeling badly and also you're only what I love about stand-up especially as opposed to improv even though I love watching improv but stand-up sort of lives and dies with one person so you're not really yes. letting one down when you accept your <laughs> you're not letting your troop down yeah I liked how it was like you you kind of were in control whereas like um but you're right like I never thought about it like even if I you know could get rid of the you know oh my gosh I'm surrendering some control as part of an improv group but I'll have to, I'd also have to deal with letting people down if one of my risks didn't pay off and so uh but like you know as far as the you know nobody goes to jail it's like well your ego ego kind of does temporarily like but is there something to teach them about how, you know like what perspective are you teaching like oh this is a growth opportunity this is a learning opportunity and that's oh, why yeah. you should kind of embrace failure Absolutely. I think it's really rare. I mean, Chicago, as far as I know, is one of the only cities in which there are at least two, if not three, college level classes on comedy between Columbia College and maybe DePaul and Northwestern. And so people, there are students who come to those schools for for the comedy scene of Chicago, basically. And there's so few opportunities like in the world to study comedy in an academic way. And I do try to instill in them that that's kind of unique. And, and you know, a lot of them are simultaneously taking classes at Second City NIO and all the places and the annoyance, all the places you can take comedy classes. And I encourage them to do that. But if you're going to take an academic class as an undergrad, then, you know, I have to kind of justify the academia of it. And it usually first day I tell them, I cannot make you funny, but if you're here, I'm assuming you already think you're funny. So <laughs> we're going to try to like make sure other people can see that you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great because I'm, I'm now going to give you the tools and it's up to you to kind of, I mean, but is there, is there even a single lesson plan uh, chapter or a module on here's what to do when you bomb. I mean, yeah, is there I mean, any, I mean, I suppose you need to do it out of a book so it can still be academic, but that might be the most practical lesson you impart, right? Well, the most practical, I mean, the real answer to that question is n like, no, there's not the day that I focus on bombing because that's not what I think my job is for them. Like my job is to keep pushing them to keep getting up. And so we do in my class, we get, it's 10 or 13 weeks and we, I make them get up every week, starting week one, and they're never ready, of course, but yes. they have to learn that. And also it's humbling because, you know, a lot of early comedian standups, a lot of people think they can just go up and repeat things that were funny to their friends. And, you know, that can work for some people. And for some people, they have to realize, like you said, it's the audience. Um, and I tell them, that. I also tell them that I was like, in this class, your audience are your classmates and me but you should be going and challenge. If, if something doesn't work in this room, you should go try it, you know, at your coffee house, open mic or, you know, downtown or on the South side or on the West side. Don't, don't stay in Evanston, Illinois, if it's not yeah. working for you. And it might, it might just be ultimately like when you ran out of rooms that actually buy your shit, just go to your friends and tell that joke again. <laughs> it's like, if it's only working in front of your friends, that'll tell you something about the joke. You know, just keep doing it in front of your friends, but there's other jokes. And so why don't we focus on those? So that's great. And so the catapult thing, is that like something I can log on to? So I, like, this is great because I don't go to Columbia. I don't go to Northwestern. I don't go to Second City, but I can go on what catapult.com and sign up for Hope Rehax uh, class. Yeah, I think it's catapult.co. And I, and this is my first time collaborating with them. I'm really excited. Um, they, it just so happens that they do these continuing ed, like, yes, open Zoom classes for anybody. I think there's there's some kind of fee. I'm not sure what it is yet because I think we're still negotiating because I like things to be accessible. I did also previously teach a free version of this class through um, a place in Chicago called Green Shirt Studios, which was briefly, we did that online um, over Zoom for free in 2020. And, and I will also try to run this again with them because I do think it's one of those things that 
you know, there are funny people everywhere of various levels of being able to pay for classes and also yeah. classes like it won't make you funny. I'll just try to give you the best tools that I know. So um, I do, that's everything I know about that class. And I think we're still figuring out how many weeks it's going to be, but it's definitely going to be over Zoom. It's definitely going to be in the spring and it'll definitely be available to anyone anywhere in the world with an internet connection. Yeah, and then this, this episode's been brought to you by catapult.co. No, just kidding. <laughs> Hashtag ad. But no, like we'll learn about all these things because we want to take a class even if we don't go to these prestigious institutions. And so we're going to find like, she promised me she'd post these things and hope rehack on Instagram and Twitter. Is that correct? Yes, I will be very, very annoying about it. Yeah, so I can't wait to be annoyed. Hope rehack. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Brian.